ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. That's right, everybody. Welcome back once again to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, joined by my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And Dan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fine. For one thing, I got to say, today as we're filming this show, is the anniversary of one of the most epic moments in the history of New York sports. The 1994 Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. We got got to mention that the anniversary of that day. Absolutely, man. June fourteenth, nineteen ninety four. That is a great call to start off uh, this this episode too. By the way, actually, I don't know if you know this too, but this is also another crucial date in the history of uh, New York sports, Mets baseball, and pop culture. Uh, you know, all all rolled into one because actually, on this date. June 14th, 1987, Mets, Phillies, you know, this uh, this character named Cosmo Kramer and uh, his friend Newman attended a Mets game at uh, Shea Stadium where the Mets blew the game in the ninth inning because of a crucial Keith Hernandez error that allowed five runs to score. The Mets ended up losing the game, and on his way out, Kramer actually said to Keith Hernandez, who committed the error, nice game pretty boy to which hernandez returned and spat in his direction but it wasn't hernandez it was roger mcdowell yeah that that was a, that was a, a wild jerry seinfeld talked about with those very boys he says he's heard that story so many times he remembers it and he says, man, that was one powerful loopy. <laughs> and it turned in mid in midair, mind you. <laughs> so, you know, just a uh, definitely a, um, you know, historic day, June 14th in the history of New York sports. No doubt about that. But, uh, you know, as we get back to our present day uh, sports right now, Dan. We got a lot going on right now. The last two days, we've seen a champion crowned in the NBA, and we've seen a champion crowned in uh, the NHL, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think we both know where this episode has to start. As uh, you know, you were at the game yesterday, right? Yeah, I was at the game, like on top of a couple of days. I mean, the Mets. Can't anybody on this fucking team pitch? Like, yeah. Like, we, we scored a boatload of runs, yet still didn't win the games at the time. And even worse, our best player gets hurt. But Charlie Morton and this, the Breeze fans were freaking cheering about it. That was even worse. I I, I swear, as, as much as I'm upset at the Braves fans for doing that, 
next time the Braves are in town, I encourage the fans not to attack Braves fans. Do not do that in any way. That just makes it even, that just doesn't make you any better than what they did, right? I know we're all upset about, about how they reacted when Charlie Morton hit, hit Pete Alonso by a pitch. Also, another thing, the Met fans do not go after Charlie Morton. Pete Alonso had mentioned in an interview after the game that he, Charlie Morton went up to him and apologized to him, was telling him that it wasn't intentional. And they had a nice little discussion after the game. So that alone gives you enough reason not to do that. And don't do that to opposing fan, to, to, to opposing fan bases. Please, please, all right? We're, we're doing that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that, man. Uh, you know, no need to start anything with the other fan bases and everything. But, you know, that aside, what a bunch of classless losers these Braves fans are who cheered Pete Alonso getting hit. It, it, what do they care if Pete Alonso is healthy or not? They beat the Mets all the time anyway. So what are they sitting here cheering that Pete Alonso – gets hurt by Char Charlie Morton and who I agree with you too. Charlie Morton's a pro and Charlie Morton owned up to it and apologized to Pete. So you got to give him credit there, but you know what I want to see now too, though. I don't want to see fans retaliating against uh, the, the Braves. I want to see our team retaliate against the Braves. How about our guys start throwing inside to the Braves, big time hitters more, you know, how about you knock Marcelo Zuna or, you know, Ronald Acuna down on his ass. I'd, I'd like to see that, um, but I'd also like to see the Mets. How about you back up your big bat like Pete Alonso and go out there and win a couple of games without him? You know, go, go out there, take some of the pressure off this guy, which this team has not done. And, you know, we can get we, we can backtrack to last week and talk about that all we want. And after the disaster of a series that we saw last week against Atlanta and just the continuation of this crap over the weekend where, uh, you know, you thought maybe after Buck Showalter addressed this team and, you know, read everybody the riot act to a certain extent, you know, you thought maybe this would, uh, this would straighten them out a little bit, but you know, what's the big deal. They go out and win on Saturday and then they lose again on Sunday where the offense doesn't show up. And then they lose again yesterday where the offense does show up, but the pitching doesn't. And, the, all this says to me, Dan, right now, is that we're looking at a 500 team. And right now, they're not even that. But a 500 team, to me, is a team that when they're pitching good, they're, they're, you know, they can't hit. And when they're hitting good, they can't pitch. So that's a 500 team to me, and it looks like that's what we're seeing with this Mets ball club right now, especially. Um, and you know, just to finish up on what you said, yeah, the main thing right now is the pitching has to figure it out. Our starting pitching has been terrible all year, and the faces of it have been our two $43 million aces, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, and it's time that we start getting our worth out of them, and Verlander has to start tonight against the Yankees. Right, Dan? Yeah, exa exactly. It's about, about time he freaking does. Also... The Mets need to address the pitching situation 
at the trade at the trade deadline already. Stop ignoring it, especially our bullpen. It feels like we had no bullpen the entire game. It's like I was, oh my god, here we go again. I was I was at and. And then I was maybe yelling after the like when door struck out. I was maybe yelling out, "You're killing me, Smalls." Of course, of course, some, of course, some, 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 some Met fans thought that was a good line when I was yelling out because they, they, they picked up what I was, what I was quoting. Of course, the movie, movie The Sandlot, which if you haven't, if you haven't watched that movie, definitely it's a, it's, it's a classic comedy. I, I just feel like everyone could just relate to it relate to it because of stuff they crazy shit they saw as a kid so just it's just a, a hilarious movie it's a great movie it's part of the double feature i do in my house the night before the baseball season starts i watch major league and i watch the sandlot and it's a great movie and i put and i quoted it many times no doubt about it man love those movies uh that, that's a great tradition. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's pretty much what you can be yelling to the Mets over and over again so far this season is you're killing me because this has just been such a painful season so far, so up and down. Um, you know, they've, they've had a five-game winning streak. They've had a six-game losing streak. Or, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, a seven-game losing streak. Um, this team just is all over the place. And I, this has just been one of the most up and down Met teams that I can remember, um, in in recent memory at least. But you know, real quick, um, I I want to look at these lineups because then you, you got, and I understand the Mets don't have Pete Alonso, but look at this Yankees lineup the Mets could not keep down yesterday. I mean, you're leading off with this kid Bowers, um, who who did make a great catch early on in in the game, which in my opinion was complete luck. Uh, just a uh, just he, he did make a great catch though, but Jake Bowers is leading off. I mean, first off, just the fact that Jake Bowers is leading off is everything you need to know about this Yankees lineup. Now, Giancarlo Stanton, who hit a bomb yesterday too, he's back in the lineup at, at DH. Um, a terrible. This guy Josh Donaldson looks terrible. He's hitting third, and he's hitting one forty nine. Josh Donaldson has been terrible. This season, Anthony Rizzo is cleaning up, followed by DJ LeMahieu. Uh, Kiner Falefa is playing center field. You know, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, shortstop by trade. They, they have him in center field now. Uh, then Billy McKinney, former Met Billy McKinney. Trevino at third base, uh, at, at uh, catching at eight. And then Anthony Volpe. I mean, this is a very, very weak, weak Yankee lineup from top to bottom. I mean, there's maybe three or four guys you have to fear in this lineup. And the Mets gave up seven runs to them yesterday, which Scherzer are on the mound. And, you know, you, you have DJ LeMahieu hitting a bomb off of him over the Great Wall of Flushing, as Howie Rose likes to call it. And, you know, you, you, you got to say to yourself, what the hell is going on? Max Scherzer last year in about 150 innings gave up 10 uh, – I'm sorry, he gave up 13 home runs all year. This year, in 56 innings, Scherzer's given up 13 home runs. He has been terrible, Dan. I mean, I think you can, as bad as the Mets hitting has been at times this year, their inconsistency from Scherzer and Verlander 
uh, have been one of their biggest um, problems to date so far this season, right? Yeah, it's been it's just like disappointing. It's like I just been scratching my head. Please don't mess this one up. Like I get, I would normally expect to be like you. Like yeah, this is and a and a Verlander. Now I'm not quite sure. It's irritating me that the fact that I'm saying this about these two guys. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, on top of that, I feel like we've seen a lot of really, really good out of Kodai Senga this year. We've also seen a lot of really bad. So even though Kodai Senga's numbers aren't too bad right now, I mean, his numbers are pretty good, actually. Six and three, around a three and a half ERA. He seems to be one of those guys that, a still hasn't figured out how to pitch on a five-day schedule, and B is like a one-start good, one-start bad type pitcher. Um, I hope that's not the case, but that seems to be uh, what his track record has been so far this season. Uh, and you know, granted, we are still pretty early on in this year, but I mean, you know, the, the Yankees got it done. They they came back yesterday, and then you know what? Let's let's take a look at the Mets lineup right now. Sons Pete Alonso, as uh, the Mets have Brandon Nimmo, and, and they bumped up Starlin Marte the number two hole, and then uh, dropped Jeff McNeil down to the number three spot. You know, I don't mind Marte in in, in the two hole, Dan. What do you think about that? Because they they pretty much had him there all of last year, and I feel like maybe Buck is trying to catch that lightning in the bottle again. I feel that's a good decision there. Also, it's nice to see that Vienna Vienna is in a lineup. Really, they should not. They should not be let it let, ride the bench and have him up. Uh, have him in the lineup. Get get him those at bats. This guy. I don't want it to be, to turn out to be a situation like Jeff Kent, who yeah he didn't quite turn out that he was kind of not looked that much, and he became That's... if I'm correct, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Well, Jeff so, Kent isn't a Hall of Famer, but he should be. I, I agree with your thought process there. Uh, he's got the most home runs of any second baseman of all time. And for some reason, the Hall of Fame still hasn't put him in yet. I think he will be one day, but unfortunately still not a Hall of Famer yet. But, yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I, I totally see those parallels that you're talking about. And, um, you know, j- just to finish up on, the, on that Mets lineup, uh, they got Lindor cleaning up followed by Alvarez in the number five spot. So they finally put him in an RBI spot, which I like. Uh, they shift Brett Beatty over to the DH spot today to get Eduardo Escobar back in the lineup at third base. Uh, Tommy Pham and uh, Mark Vientos round out the lineup there. So not a bad lineup, uh, but the pitching matchup today is Garrett Cole against Justin Verlander. So very, very tough matchup uh, for the Mets. Obviously, Cole seven and one two eight four ERA this year has really been on the money, and Verlander for the Mets two and three the four eight five ERA. Obviously, as we've discussed, it's not been too great for the Mets this year, but he does have that history of dominating the Yankees, right? Yeah, so hopefully that turns out well. Should be an interesting matchup. I mean, two former teammates who practically anchored a staff that did literally brought a lot of celebration to the city of Houston in 2017 at a time when uh, 
they were dealing with Hurricane Harvey for that city, and they got and they had something that they could be happy about when they're with all they had to deal with. I myself volunteered to load a supply truck during that time, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. Very true. And uh, yeah, so we, we have a lot to, um, you know, th there's a lot on the line for the Mets tonight now. I mean, if they lose this game to the Yankees now, they are just further burying themselves. Right now the Mets are 31 and 36. Can you imagine that? Mets are five games under 500, 10 games off the pace of the Atlanta Braves. Um, which, if you remember, by the way, last year on June 1st, the Mets led the Braves by 10 games. Now, a year later, plus two weeks, they trail the Braves by 10 games. So, who knows? Uh, I mean, it's uh, you just got to hope that at some point the Mets figure it out and uh, get themselves back on track. You know, one thing that has disappointed me is Buck Showalter's reaction to a lot of this. Um, I mean, even last night, what did you think of uh, Drew Smith getting thrown out of the game last night? You know, there have only been three instances of this happening this year. One was Domingo Herman, where they didn't even throw him out of the game. They just let him wash his hands and he was let back in. One where they obviously targeted Max Scherzer and had him thrown out of the game, which fucked up one of his best-looking starts of the season, and he really hasn't rebounded since then. And then last night, Drew Smith. Now, Major, I really feel like Major League Baseball is fucking with the Mets here, and it's really pissing me off because now, if, if you remember, now Drew Smith is suspended for the next 10 games. He's being fined, and the Mets as a team – have to play one man short for the next 10 days too. So what did you think of that decision? Because it seemed once again, completely arbitrary and absolutely ridiculous to me that they threw this guy out before he even threw a pitch. Yeah, that, that is just, I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm, I just, I just don't, I, I feel like maybe the again might be, might be I might be printing out some pictures of Robert Manfred for a to take a nice little piss on. <laughs> I I like that idea. I like that idea. We should do, print up something for Donovan's where you put uh Rob Manfred urinal cakes and and all the uh stalls over there so everybody could piss on him because that's what he deserves, right? Yeah, exactly. I would, I would, I would, I would welcome that. Well, you know, maybe you may, you may have given, we may have given a, given a, a Jimmy a Jacobson over at Donovan's uh, the idea. He's probably seeing this for, right now for all we know. <laughs> well, feel free, D Donovan's. If, if if you like that idea, please take it because I would love it if uh, somebody did that because uh, Rob Manfred is the worst commissioner in sports. Uh, yeah, I said that he's worse than Goodell, he's worse than Adam Silver, and he's worse than Gary Bettman. He's the worst commissioner in sports, and um, he deserves to to get that treatment. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. he, you know, yeah. yeah, what were you going to say, Dan? No, man, just, this is funny. <laughs> yeah, 
it's true. It's true. Maybe we should uh, send this segment over to Donovan so they take that idea and run with it, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, now we uh, we, we got to talk. Uh, we killed two birds at one stone today, too, because we got the Mets and the Yankees out in uh, one felt swoop as they're playing each other tonight. But uh, I did want to talk to you about um, something me and you have been discussing for the last couple of weeks. The, uh, uh, you know, last night, the Vegas Golden Knights win their first Stanley Cup. Uh, it was really cool here. I, I got some uh, footage of the ceremony and uh, them getting the cup for the first time. Um, you know, obviously, we were hoping that this playoff run would end with our New York Rangers hoisting the Stanley Cup when that did not become a, uh, a reality. And they and we got knocked out. You know, one of the teams that I would have been happy to see win the championship at the end of the day was the these Vegas Golden Knights. Dan, what were your thoughts watching them close out this last night with a very impressive nine to three victory over Florida last night? Well, I looked at the highlights after work because I was a little bit. I pretty much went to sleep after the game, so I didn't really see anything. I didn't get a chance to look at any footage of what the celebrating was like because I was wondering what was that kind of kind of be like being the fact that Las Vegas is a city that's never won a, a single major sports championship. So there was a question to be wondering, like, is there going to be celebrating? Are they going to be rioting? Because, you know, all those little questions of how they're going to react to that. So I have no, no foot, no, didn't really get a chance to look up any footage or anything like that. I was just just hard, but I did look at the highlights of the game, and that was a surprising to see a blowout like that in Game Seven. Uh, I, I have to admit they they seem to get a Las Vegas seems to get a better fan turnout during the regular season than I expected when I first heard getting a team. All I kept hearing in the comments of that announcement was fans in various. Uh, you know, people, maybe people who live in Las Vegas who grew up elsewhere were saying, oh, good, they can see their team for cheap. Pretty much. They actually looked like they got a nice turnout during a regular season than I expected. Yeah, yeah, actually, and, and real quick, let's watch him uh, take this Stanley Cup. ceremony they had there yeah. everybody reacting yeah. right i mean you you, you gotta yeah. hand it to vegas there right yeah i gotta hand it to them for that i just have a feeling the parade's probably going to be on the vegas strip also i have to admit it does be, every time i see like a like a feeling like this that it wasn't a fan winning a championship i kind of feel like i'm kind of just bridesmaid to the it's like someone being a bridesmaid to the to the wedding <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always the bridesmaid, never the. <laughs> I kind of get the uh, the the feeling you're saying, Dan, because uh, you know, unfortunately, we really 
you know, I mean, since 1994, we haven't get to see any. Well, I mean, actually, you've seen your Giants win a couple. But other than that, you know, no Mets championships, no Rangers championships since uh, 1994 and for the Mets, 86, obviously. So, um, you know, yeah, it's 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 been a long drought. And even your Giants now, too. I mean, that last one was 2011. So we haven't seen a New York team win a championship since February of 2012. So it's been a long time, right, man? And I, I think it's it's just about time that uh, that one team in New York puts an end to that curse, right? Well, I guess Dan didn't agree. <laughs> He'll be back in a sec. But until he comes back, let's just take a look at this. Time it happens. Well, I, I would love to see. I would love to see what that's like for once to see the Rangers win with the Stanley Cup again. There's a, there's Ranger yeah. fans that don't remember 1994. That are that are yeah, even Also, can the Mets freaking win a championship? Well, my mom's still around, so she's gonna be around for it. And yeah, come on, Mets. Same thing with Mr. Malunigan. Poor Mr. Malunigan, he's a dog. You know how it is dogs, right? I want him to be able to be around for it. I want to be able to carry him around the block like he's a like he's a like he's a championship trophy, you know, in Victoria. <laughs> you know, like victorious. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, man. Yeah, I want to, I want to, want to hold him down the block. Well, you know, victoriously hold my dog down as they walk down the block. Exactly. Believe me, dude, I, I totally hear you. You know, you want to celebrate the championship with him, you know, treat him like he's the Stanley Cup, whether it's the Rangers winning the cup or the, the Mets winning the World Series. You know, you just want to be able to enjoy that or hell, even the uh, Knicks winning the NBA championship. I mean, who would have thought that the, the, the Knicks, you know, were this close, man. I mean, if if not for an improbable heat run. There's a good chance the you know that the Knicks might have at least been in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then who knows what could have happened. Just like in 1999, when the Knicks went on their improbable run, and then unfortunately lost to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been a long time since one of our New York teams have closed the deal. Um, you know, the last New York team that even made it to a championship round was the Mets in the World Series in 2015. So. You know, it's yeah, it's a bad exactly. time, man. And and another little fact, well, well, I kind of have certain opinions about the the last two mayors of the city, but there had the last the the, la, the previous mayor, not a single New York team won a championship during his administration. I don't recall <laughs> that ever happening in history. A mayor during his time as mayor of New York didn't get to be a part. Of a city hall ceremony, a championship ceremony, during his time as mayor. I don't recall that ever happened. Can someone look up that stats of every mayor of New York in New York City history and what teams won a championship during their administration? Because I don't recall well, that ever happening during an administration. That is an amazing. That really is an amazing thought, right there, Dan. Um, yeah, I mean the only other 
the only time I really could think that it would have even been possible is maybe between 78 and 86 when when uh, uh, the Yankees. 78, I think the Yankees, I think the Yankees won a. Yeah, well, the Yankees won the World Series in 78. The, the, the Yankees won the World Series in 78, and the Mets won the World Series in 86. But what I'm saying is yeah, that there was nothing in between. So maybe yeah, there's a chance that whoever was mayor at that time, well, well, maybe Ed Koch, well, well, whoever it was. Uh, actually, uh, Ed, Ed Koch, the Mets, the Mets won the World Series during Ed Koch's administration. According oh, to so Rogers, he was still there in 86. Yeah, yeah, and he... And he was there. Of course, the Giants won the Super Bowl during his time as mayor. Giuliani mm-hmm. had the, the had the Yankee dynasty, pretty much. Yeah. And he yeah, had the, 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 the and he had the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. Bloomberg, the Giants won a two two championships. The Yankees won one championship. That's true. So that, 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 that's that's a good question. We'll, yeah, we'll have exactly. to look into that because then also it might even be um, in there. Well, yeah, because then the, the Knicks won and then the Rangers and uh, the, the Knicks and the Jets won in 69 and 70. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to you'd be hard pressed to find a mayor that uh, was as unsuccessful sports wise as Bill de Blasio in the history of of this uh of this city so that's a really really good call dan and as a matter of fact we're gonna do some research on that and on next week's episode we'll uh we'll definitely have the answer for that so keep that in your back pocket uh very very good question there dan i like that a lot and um you know with that i think uh we'll keep it moving along here as uh congratulations to the uh las vegas golden knights pulling that out and you know, you mentioned that they had a big time celebration uh, out there, and you know, we really haven't heard any, you know, noticeable uh, problems there. No Philadelphia type shenanigans. However, and in Denver, that doesn't surprise me. Cause that surprised me that didn't happen. Because I mean, it's freaking Las Vegas. I mean, how many times do you go to Las Vegas that people maybe had one too many? Oh I'm just, I'm yeah. Just saying, if, you, if you're familiar, if you're familiar with Las Vegas, you know what I'm talking about. You got that right, man. You definitely got that right. And you know, you'd think that a city like Denver would be able to handle itself a little bit better too. But there have been reports. Uh, there was a shooting at one of the uh, championship celebrations. I, I, I saw about. I, I think eight or eight or nine people got shot after the. Uh, Nuggets won their championship, so um, not not a good start, Denver. It's time to you know work things out a little bit. <laughs> don't, don't people know how to like just go nuts and not and not become so destructive? Yeesh, at least in New York, when we won championships, we've gone nuts, but it's not destroy property. Yeah, well, and, and even worse, it'd be, it would actually be an improvement if they were just destroying property. These guys are shooting each other. <laughs> what the hell are you so, what the hell could be happening? You just won the NBA championship, guys. Sit back and enjoy it. You have, you know, two of the most dynamic players in the sport in you who went out there and performed at just a, a 
incredible level and beat the Heat. And, you know, every time the Heat tried to mount a comeback, there was the uh, Denver Nuggets just there to uh, to squash their momentum and just keep it going. What they did every single round this playoff. Uh, you know, what do you think, Dan? I mean, you got to tip your cap to the entire Denver Nuggets organization because they had a hell of a season winning their top seed and then had a hell of a playoff run. Yeah, I got I got to give a lot of props to the Denver Nuggets. That was an impressive season from a team that flew very under the radar. I don't think no one predicted that the Denver Nuggets were to win an NBA championship. I'm pretty sure that, and I'm pretty sure if you did anyone who did, probably got a nice one heck of a payout. <laughs> That's true. If you wanted to put your money where your mouth is and make a big bet in uh, Vegas or or Atlantic City, you're probably right, man. Um, but yeah, you you got to give credit to them. They're a uh, good organization, and they've been a uh, a good, well-run organization for a while now. Um, and it all just uh, culminated with this championship you know it, it reminds me a lot of when toronto won their first nba championship a couple of years ago um and you know because you you like to see a fan base get that establishing championship you know uh, uh the uh, mets fans got that in 1969 you know um yankee fans got that way back in 1923 so i'm sure many people <laughs> that uh, saw that championship or most all people that saw that championship probably aren't alive today because uh, it was about a, it was a hundred years ago. Um, but, you know, actually, they, actually you know, cor- cor- correction. The Met, I think the Yankees won a championship before 1923. No, 23 was the first one. They, 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 they got to back to back world series in 21 and 22 to the New York giants, but they lost both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, I, I forgot about that one, but, but yeah, I forgot the first First one they won in twenty three. Surprisingly, was that the was that the then first year of the of their stadium? Yeah, and 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 that's what a lot of people forget too. That was the first year of Yankee Stadium, and that was the third straight World Series they appeared in. Uh, yeah, they appeared in twenty one and lost to the Giants, and twenty two lost to the Giants. And actually, one of the big stars of that uh, of those World Series for the Giants was Casey Stengel. Who had a uh, inside the park home run in one of those games, and uh, had a, a pretty good World Series run against the Yankees, who he would obviously, as we all know, went on to manage in the fifties, and uh, you know t- took the Yankees to new heights that not even that they'd seen before. So uh, very very cool of the old professor there. And, yep. and um, yeah, has, you know, yeah, Casey Single has a very distinction of being the only person to have his number retired by both the Mets and the Yankees. As you know, he was the original Mets manager, and his number was retired after he retired from managing. Made him that that little bit of history there. Very true, very true, man. Which is also the reason why when Kenny Rogers joined the Mets, he had to wear number 73 because Casey Stingles, 37, was retired. So uh, just a little uh, factoids right here in the uh, smack dab in the middle of this episode of best seat in the house podcast. And uh, so, yeah, definitely want to give credit where credit's due. Um, Now a uh, big off season for the NBA as uh, we turn our attention to the Knicks, Uh, you know, as our attention always is to the Knicks and the NBA for the most part. 
But now that the uh, the champion has been crowned and the uh, season and the tournament is over, time to turn our attention fully back to the Knicks and what their next moves are going to be. Um, it's it's going to be a, a very interesting uh, offseason, especially with no first-round pick in this year's draft. So um, a lot of pressure on Leon Rose and that Knicks front office to get things done. But while we're talking about Madison Square Garden, let's turn our attention to the other team at Madison Square Garden because I'm sure you you are well aware, Dan, that the Rangers finally, after more than a month, closer to six weeks of searching for a head coach, have finally named Peter Laviolette as their new head coach. Chris Drury really did a great job of, um, you know, being thorough and, you know, doing everything in his possibility, in his power to interview as many people as possible and get these guys involved. Um, you know, what do you think, Dan? Uh, you know, Laviolette's a coach that's been around for a long time. Do you think that he is the right guy for this job? I feel it is a big question mark. It is 50-50 that he is the right guy for this job, and it goes very well to hopefully maybe maybe our expectation. Or it could go in complete disaster. This one's a relatively unknown because he's had a track record in the past, but it was like quite a long time ago, and he's been around. He's coached a number of teams over the years so this one's more a question mark than it is answered yeah yeah i definitely hear what you're saying man um you know i i'll i'll say this about peter laviolette is that i i remember when he was the head coach for the islanders you know 20 years ago and i remember being thrilled when the islanders fired him after only two seasons, because I thought he was such a good coach. And it, it really made me happy that the Islanders were dumb enough to get rid of him. And it proved, you know, what a good coach he was, that as soon as he was let go by the Islanders, he was picked up by the Carolina Hurricanes and won a Stanley Cup, uh, you know, a, a year or two after that. He, he hasn't had that success since then. Um, you got to give him credit. This is a guy who has been to – he's taken three teams to the Stanley Cup final. This is a guy that took the Carolina Hurricanes, like we just mentioned. He took the um, – if if you remember, Dan, do you remember the Rangers season? I believe it was 2009 uh, where it ended on the last day of the year and the Rangers lost in overtime to the Flyers and missed the playoffs because of that. I'm correct. That was 2010. The correction on that. It was 2010. And I remember like cursing up a storm the TV. And I, any and not only that, during that time, my I had to go to, I had to go to the supermarket to buy a, to buy cream, you know, and one of the things on the on the shopping list with cream cheese, despite the, and even though it was on sale, I did not want to pick up the Philadelphia cream cheese, but my mom insisted, gotta get the one that's on sale, get the one that's on sale. 
<laughs> I did not want. I did not want to put by a product that Philadelphia fans wear a replica of the box on their head. I don't know if you've seen pictures of this. They wear replicas of the box of that cream cheese on their head. And I've you know the this. funny part about that? That product, Philadelphia cream cheese, was invented in New England by a company <laughs> based in the New England area. The product that is was not even invented in Philadelphia. That brand of cream cheese has that well. I don't. I forgot what cream cheese has as rooted, but that's the. I'm talking about the brand cream cheese has no roots in Philadelphia, except for the name of the product. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all that the uh, that the Philadelphia fans would rally around something like that. It's not even from there. <laughs> But yeah, so the only reason I brought that up was because Peter Laviolette was the head coach of that team who they were the last team to qualify for the playoffs. They were the bottom team in the tournament, just like the Heat were this year. And he took that team all the way to game six of the Stanley Cup final. So you got to give him credit there. And he was also the head coach of the um, Nashville Predators when they went on their Stanley Cup championship run just a few years ago. They obviously didn't win, but they they got pretty damn far too. So uh, Peter Laviolette, a guy with a long, long history um, of coaching and having success. And unfortunately for him, he didn't have that success in Washington the last couple of years. He made the playoffs the first year, crapped out this year. But, um, you know, all signs point to much like in Gerard Gallant's first year here, that things are going to go well the first year. It's how he and the team responds after that. So take that for what it will. You know, I, I will say this, though. Uh, I, I do want to read um, what uh, Jim Dolan had to say about this, the, the Rangers owner. Um, now, we all know he doesn't really have too much of a vast knowledge of hockey, but this is what he had to say. He said, I'd like to welcome Peter to the New York Rangers. Peter's impressive resume, which includes winning a Stanley Cup and advancing to the final with three different teams, has made him one of the most respected coaches in the league. As we move forward in our goal to consistently contend for a Stanley Cup, I am confident that Peter is the right head coach to lead our team. So that's a, that's a pretty ringing endorsement from uh, Mr. Dolan. And just real quick before I get your take on this, Dan, um, this is what Chris Drury had to say. Uh, we are thrilled that Peter will be the next head coach of the New York Rangers. With Peter's extensive experience as a head coach in the National Hockey League, as well as the success his teams have had at several levels throughout his career, we are excited about what the future holds with him leading our team. So two pretty strong endorsements of LaViolette, Dan. Um, I mean, you know, I know we've gotten to this a little bit, but just to wrap up, you know, what is your is your feeling about this right now? Do you if you had to call it right now, you know, is this the um, are we going to look back at this like the Mike Keenan hire or are we going to look back at this as the, um, you know, Brian Trottier hire? <laughs> well, I, I feel like, well, if we're going to talk about year one. I feel like year one, it's going to be at least a playoff appearance. 
anything less than that would be a letdown. Year one. The big thing, oh, like yeah. you said, year two, year two is going to be a big telling. But I feel like year one, it's going to be at least pro- probably a conference finals appearance. Oh man, I mean, you know, you, you'd hope so, you know, especially with all the things that are going to be going into this season. You know, I don't know if, if you've heard, but. Um, the word is that Patrick Kane did have that procedure on his hip and that it's going to take about six months to recover from. So word is that Patrick Kane is going to be looking to come in on a deal with whatever his next team is that is going to offer him the ability to come back probably in January of, uh, of 2024. So he'll be back right after the calendar changes this year. Um, you know, you could probably get him on a pretty reasonable deal. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that, um, you know, w- with a veteran coach like LaViolette now, bringing in a guy like, um, like, you know, uh, or, or bringing back a guy like Patrick Kane, do you think that that's the way to go? Or should the Rangers – really concentrate more on their younger guys and trying to bring in more grittiness. I feel if you can get Patrick Kane on the right deal, probably go for it. If, it, if it's maybe a cheap deal, being the fact, like the question mark, maybe a low-risk, high-reward kind of thing. Maybe you might, you might have to do it. So a lot of the good teams are not afraid to make that deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And and you're right too because the good teams are the ones that can afford to make this deal, you know? You can afford, especially a team like the Rangers who are pretty deep right now. The Rangers can afford to say, "Hey, we're going to pay money for Patrick Kane because we know that as long as he's healthy, which he wasn't this past year when he was with the Rangers, that he's going to be a difference maker in the playoffs." And we saw, remember in that one game where Patrick Kane looked like Patrick Kane, against the devils, you know, he, he was a, a difference maker all in himself. So you got to hope that if the Rangers do get him, that we see the best of Patrick Kane, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of how everybody talks about how Aaron Rodgers had an off season last year. You know, he, he, he had that broken thumb on his finger. He didn't really have the best relationship with his receivers. The Packers weren't really that good. So, you know, all jet fans are hoping that he could come back and have this big bounce back season this year, which is what us Rangers fans would be hoping that Patrick Kane can do, right? Exactly. If it's a move you need to make, and you gotta win that cup within that window, I feel like. Yeah, and that window's still open. I mean, me and you have talked about in the past of this window with these young kids being open until, you know, 2025, right around there, 2024, 2025. So we're still in that area. And I know with guys like Shesterkin and, uh, you know, all these young, this young talent, Lafreniere, Kako, you know, um, you know, Keandre Miller, all these young guys who are going to be around for a while, that, that number can extend past 2025. But we're talking about when you are having this core right now of guys like Zabenejad and Panarin and, you know, guys who are still all at the top of their game, along with these young kids, 
that's where I really think you have to hit that window, right? Yeah, exactly. You got you got to hit this window. Come on, Rangers, do this. I want want to be able to have to, to see that and uh, hopefully hopefully add to maybe more more championship episodes. I'm talking about. Hopefully, somehow the Mets might <laughs> bounce back and win this, and hopefully we can see a Stanley Cup championship. And exactly, man. From from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> yep, exactly. Also, speaking of football, the I noticed that Saquon Barkley is playing hardball with the Giants lately. Like, you know, it's funny hear, you say I, that. Yeah, it, it, it's word. funny you say that, Dan. Yeah, it, yeah. Continue, please. I hear word that he threatened to sit out the season, potentially causing a Marcus Stroman type relationship with the New York fans. So similar when Marcus yeah. Stroman bailed out on the Mets in 2020. Yeah, you're absolutely that, right. That relationship got soured because of that. If, no if, doubt I about it. Marcus, no doubt I about hope, it. Uh, and I hope Saquon, please don't do this, Saquon. We need you. Don't bail out on us. We don't want to sour this relationship with our city. Yeah, that you know that would be, in my opinion, a really, really dumb move for Saquon because he's talking about potentially sitting out the whole season now. Uh, well, to be honest, I haven't actually heard him say that, but that's what reports have come out of Giants camp that Saquon is at least considering the idea of uh, staying out, you know, or staying away from the Giants all season um, if they don't pay him, which would just be such a dumb move. We saw this completely backfire on Le'Veon Bell just a couple of years ago. And if Le'Veon Bell, you know, Le'Veon Bell got lucky in that sense too. The Jets were this desperate team that – needed something to sell to their fans and needed something to sell to themselves too. So they gave all that money. They backed up the Brinks truck for Le'Veon Bell and it didn't work out. Um, Bell, you know, ended up having one season here. He played an extra two or three games the following year and then he was gone. And, uh, you know, that was it. I think Le'Veon Bell completely derailed his NFL career by sitting out that season he cost himself 15, 20 million bucks, whatever the, the uh, franchise tag was that year. And, you know, Saquon Barkley sitting here saying just a couple of days ago, oh, uh, you know, I'm not asking for much. I'm only asking 10 to 12 million. Oh, that's a lot of freaking money. I'm sorry, Saquon. I know you might not think it's a lot of money, but you're a running back that in, in a position that in the NFL, look, the the, the fact of the matter is, that a lot of these guys are getting drafted right now and coming out and having similar seasons to what guys like Saquon Barkley and even the Jets guy who got hurt last year, Brees Hall, um, you know, that you could get a guy like that in, in a later round now. You know, it's not, it, it's not as uh, crazy as it used to be where people aren't throwing money at running backs the way they used to. You know, we're, we're not seeing guys get paid like Adrian Peterson anymore. You know what I mean? So I, I think Saquon really has to understand that maybe that Le'Veon Bell contract we saw a couple of years ago was the last of those giant running back contracts that we're going to see. And he should just be happy 
with what, what the Giants can pay him, right? Yeah, exactly. You're be glad you're getting paid somewhere. If you're getting paid, you got a chance to be on a team that has a chance to contend. And yeah. if you want more money, go out and win it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what you said before, too, about damaging your relationship with the, the New York fans is definitely right, man. I mean, you know, fans start to look at you differently when you prioritize your own money or your own playing time over winning. I mean, we saw Jet fans turn on Elijah Moore, their wide receiver last year, uh, because he started complaining about his catches during the middle of a four-game winning streak, which, by the way, until last season, when the hell was the last time the Jets won four games in a row? So for this guy to start complaining about his catches in the middle of this winning streak pissed a lot of people off. And it's going to do the same thing for Giant fans this year if Saquon and the Giants don't figure out a way to get this contract done because Giant fans are ready to go out there and have another season where this team makes the playoffs. And if Saquon Barkley, you know, comes up as a, as a malcontent or throws a, uh, you know, a, a stick in the spokes of, of this season at all, he, it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to take a lot for giant fans to forgive him. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's going to take a lot for him to forgive him. And he, it's it, 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 his best interest not to do that. Yeah. Yeah, take what you can get. You know, if he could get a deal with the Giants done for around $10 million a year or whatever, um, just do it. I mean, I can totally understand Sa- Saquon and any other professional athlete wanting to get every dime that's due to them. I don't blame them at all for it. But you know what? When you're a guy like Saquon that is coming off, you know, this is a guy who just had the ACL injury a couple of years ago. And, yeah, he finally looked like Saquon last year. But I don't really blame the Giants for wanting to see him come back this year and be comparable. You know, you because especially in the NFL, running backs can lose it like that. I mean, look at Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin Cook from Minnesota is a guy that had a thousand yards last year. He was due eleven million this year, which is a lot of money to guys like us. But in the NFL, that's a decent salary, and you know. He, he just got cut because people don't view running backs like that anymore for that type of money. He's 27 years old. He's still in his prime. And if Saquon doesn't watch out, that could be him next. Yeah, exactly. The, the NFL, it can go, it can go downhill quick in the NFL. It, and also a little thing about football, you might, any, any of, if you have yet yet to see this documentary, this ESPN 30 for 30 title broke, I highly recommend watching this documentary. It just opens my eyes at how downfall it seems to happen. And I noticed it seems to happen a lot. There was athletes from various sports, but there seems to be a common theme with football players somehow, I guess, mismanaging their money or whatever it was they did. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's... Yeah, that is a a very, very good documentary. I I haven't actually seen it yet. I've been been wanting to watch it. I haven't gotten around to it yet. But yeah, I mean, when you see stuff like that, man, 
definitely, definitely recommend checking that out too. Yeah. yeah and yeah, uh, exactly. And, and, yeah, yeah. If you have ESPN Plus, I think you could you could watch it. They, I think they have it on there. They have, if my memory is correct, they have every thirty for thirty they've made on there. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. E ESPN does pretty good with that. So you, you, you have to give yeah, them credit there, too. Yeah, definitely. And if tonight's game gets rain, gets rained out or rain delay, you've got something perfect to watch during that rain delay. Good point. Good point, everybody. Keep that in mind. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're coming down to the end here. But before we move on from this last topic, I, I did want to mention um, very, very sad news for the Jets, too, that Chuck Carr – the safety that the Jets just traded for him a couple of weeks ago um, from the Baltimore Ravens. They got him for a seventh round pick. He was a starting safety. He's one of those guys that could bounce back and forth between uh, safety and linebacker. Well, unfortunately, um, the uh, Jets went out and uh, had to had, had to sign another safety yesterday because Chuck Clark is done for the year, hurt his knee on the last day of OTAs last year for the uh, – last week for the Jets. So, you know, it always sucks when, you know, a guy – I was excited to see Chuck Carr play. This is a guy He's a good safety. He's a hard hitter. He's a guy that uh, is, uh, you know, kind of like a um, Swiss Army knife that you could use in the in the defense. So uh, very sad to see him go. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's the uh, thing with these OTAs, Dan, right, is that you, you just want to come out of these OTAs healthy – and unfortunately for the Jets, they they ended up losing a pretty decent piece of their defense there. Yes, exactly. It's kind of always gets gets nervous like that during football and during preseason games. You just hoping no one gets gets hurt going in, going into the season during the off season. And I gotta say, it, it is kind of you kind of feel bad sometimes when you see some of the injuries some of these football players have gone through. I remember watching this interview. Some, I don't know, with Sports Center or something, and they were interviewing this player, Jim McMahon, and I guess all the hits he's taken during his football career. This guy looked like he was in like rough shape. I mean, you, you, for those of you who don't know who Jim McMahon is, he's probably one of the one of the greats in football. I mean, people in Chicago look at him as like royalty. The I mean, uh, the '85 Bears were one of the most well-known sports teams in history, and yeah, no doubt about kind it. Of sad. It was sad seeing this interview when you were seeing this guy in the shape he was and when he's speaking. It, yeah. it, it was just sad. It's just sad when you see these guys like that. Yeah, it's true, man. You, you're definitely right about that. I actually had uh, the uh, chance to interview Jim McMahon a couple of years back. And yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a tough interview. It was a tough interview. He's a, but he's a, he's a good guy. And you know he's uh, he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. He had a tough career, you know. And uh, but you know, like you said, um, you know those '85 Bears became like celebrities within themselves. So you know, you had Sweetness, you had you know the William the Refrigerator Perry, you had uh, Jim McMahon as the quarterback. So they they had a lot of stars, a lot of star power on that team. Not even mentioning the uh, head coach. Everybody loved Mike Ditka. So. Uh, yeah, definitely um, got to tip your cap to uh, to those guys and uh, yeah, Jim McMahon. Um, unfortunately, it's 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 a shame to to see what you know happens to some of these guys who took a lot of those big hits earlier in their lives and you know what it does to them now. Um, so you just gotta 
you know, love all these old football players because you don't know how long they're going to be around for, right? Yeah, yep, exact, exactly. And it's, it's just you, you wish, you wish the, you wish the best. But um, and yeah, you got to yeah, give a lot of, got a lot of, give a lot of props to these players who made this decision to put themselves in a, the, the situation that voluntarily taking all these hits. Yeah. Yeah, man, they, they, they sacrifice their bodies, you know? I, I was actually just listening to a uh, great interview with uh, my buddy Jake Asman, um, who does a uh, great Jets page. If you ever have a chance to uh, – if, if, if you're a big Jets fan and you want to see some great Jets content, check out uh, the Jake Asman show on YouTube. The guy does a great job. And he just had former Jets um, defensive end Mike DeVito on. And it was really interesting seeing him talk about how – during the playoffs when the jets were getting ready for the uh, second AFC championship game under Rex Ryan, when they were playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh, how he was talking about how he could get all the massages that he wanted. He could take all the steams and all the hot baths and the jacuzzis and all the stuff that he needed to help his body. But by that point, his body was so beat up that he could just not, he just didn't feel right. He didn't feel, he could not get his body feeling back like normal and just hearing him say that was really really interesting because it just shows you what these guys put their bodies through on a weekly you know a week in and week out basis for it you know we we always hear about how these guys feel like they got into a car accident the day after a game and when you hear a guy like mike devito talk about that it it really shows how it's true and how long it takes these guys to feel normal again you know Yeah, it is. So you gotta, 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 gotta tip your cap to that. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Absolutely, man. So, uh, before we get out of here, though, do you have any plugs for yourself? Sh sure. My uh, my uh, tw Twitter page, Bobo One Zero Three NYC. You can follow me on Twitter. You can also follow me on Instagram, Bobo Seven One Eight DK. Also, Daniel Curl. Daniel Curlin on YouTube for some Bobo for some Bobo content. And by the way, if you look on my on my social media pages, that little promo I put for this episode that you're watching right now, if you're asking about the the band and that and that and that song, that's a, that that was a song by Bandmate. I was just because I was just saying that's what we're letting me down. I figured just put one of their songs, the song titled "Don't Let Me Down," and, and Go on YouTube, search being made. Thank, thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Check that out. Check Band Made out. Great band right there. And uh, you know, and if you want to check out our show, check us out on um, uh, on Twitter at bsith underscore podcast. You can check me out there too. My last name Kramer NY. You can also check us out on Instagram at Best Eat in the House Podcast. And if you like the show here on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us, give us a like, and and if you think we've earned it, give us a five star review on uh, the uh, the podcast as well for Apple and Spotify and everything else. And don't forget, if you haven't done it yet, if you have a Rumble, please subscribe to our Rumble. We would love to see everybody uh, check us out there as well. So once again, 
Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Episode 67 is in the books, as Howie Rose would say. And, um, hey, you know, before we get out of here, Dan, I think there's only one thing left to do. Um, I'm Rob Kramer. You're Daniel Bobo Kerlin. This is the Best Seat in the House podcast. And let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's do it. Let's go Mets. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week on the Best Seat in the House podcast.